Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Thank You Now What, a podcast about life after service. I'm your host, Matt DeVivo. This show is produced by Ben Murray. On today's episode, we caught up with our first returning guest, Nate Spearing from episode three. If you'll remember, Nate is an old teammate of mine. And if you would like some more history on his military service or background, I would encourage you to listen to his first episode. On today's episode, Nate and I talked about his ongoing small businesses and how he's been able to branch out from his core business. We talk about how he's been challenging himself physically and mentally, how he's been leading faith-based conversations in his Christian community, and of course, with Nate, we're always going to talk about parenting. We caught up at his office in North Carolina. The nature of education is that you can't necessarily gear it to creating 100 or you know 98% entrepreneurs. Like it's just, that's not the way that the world works. It's almost, I guess, would be like what Instagram looks like, but isn't really in real life. You know, yeah, like just yeah. the so many people posting the, the hashtag entrepreneur when they, when they aren't really creating any of the products. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks for listening. I got in trouble with your grandma last time for cursing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it recording right now? Yeah. Yeah. I tr- I'll try not to in case she listens to this episode, too. Yeah. She, um, I, I, I think that's. It's awesome. She's pushing 90 and uh, she still is like baffled by the the way certain people talk. <laughs> um, I'm glad I'm she, sure. did. she wasn't tagging along with me during the army. Yeah. Does she have social media? She does actually. Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know how often she gets on because I think she she'll log on and I'll get like Every one of my photos that I've posted in the last month will get liked by her. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I bought her one of those little frames that you can like email photos to, mm. and she's like, "You gotta post some photos to it." And uh, said, so, "Well, I post a lot on Instagram and stuff." And she's like, "I had to show her how to find find us." And she's like, "It went away. I couldn't find it. Where'd it go?" So I had to show her how to hit the little search icon and stuff but yeah i think there's some stuff on social media where if i just hopped in a time machine and entered the year 2026 i wouldn't know what is going on yeah yeah oh i'm sorry i said fuck. sorry nana okay (laughs) oh man i think it would probably be better (laughs) that you just be matt and i'll just warn her say hey it was a good conversation but matt's who he is and you just gotta you know Oh, well, that's not really my my own personal brand because I, uh, <laughs> I just loosen up. Yeah. So you're episode three, and this will come out after 31. So we've had a little more experience with the show. I've had a little more experience interviewing people, and maybe I won't be so, uh, you know, slashing and cutting on the edit anymore or or try to string together a coherent um conversation here but maybe not likely since i just strolled in with some cookout and uh, wrote down like five bullet points before we started up yeah hopefully both of our experience since then will will make the edit a little easier and more beneficial to the listeners yeah i know so you uh 
how can you summarize or kind of bulletize the last year and what's changed for you? Because when we got off, you were like, um, you hadn't listed the mansion yet. You were still working on it. You still had the construction going. You were still doing a lot of time like on site and you had rentals going, but you've since like opened up a few more things. Yeah. So we knew we were gonna, the mark was kind of uh, set to turn the mansion into a short-term rental, but I think we were still finishing the renovations and we concluded those was kind of nice because I had closed some refinancing money and kind of had a little slush fund to work from as clients canceled jobs in 2020. So we kind of went full time on fixing and finishing the mansion. And I kind of had this moment where I was like, am I going to spend this money or hold on to it? because I don't know what this next year is going to bring. And we kind of just, my wife and I just decided, let's make it rain and get this mansion finished and get it listed on Airbnb. So we basically went through like a hundred grand in 90 days, like getting it ready. Kind of the deadline we put was my sister-in-law's wedding since she was trying to kind of get married in July and everything was, was really hard to get, no matter where you were, you were not, being able to throw your dream wedding. And so we kind of made the call to, you know, my wife's one of 11 kids. So even if you just invite spouses and uh, nephews and nieces, I think we were at like 53 people. And so (laughs) she literally couldn't even have her family at these venues. So we kind of elected, let's get, get the house finished, throw her wedding, And then why not just open up the Airbnb calendar the next weekend and see what happens. And we got a booking like the next weekend. So we were cleaning the house after a wedding, doing the Rubbermaid shuffle. And I think that was also the weekend that I found the bus that we wanted to buy. So it's like, let's get a bus and we can move into that between Airbnbs being booked out. We can have all our properties online. And then we realized we hated uh, the Rubbermaid shuffle with five kids in our 15 passenger van and a bus. And just kind of realized that even we can bite off more than we, we can chew on that. And anyway, we, we, um, we ended up just getting a short, a rental for a couple months while all of our properties were booked and waited for one of our units to free up. And where we sit now, we have construction companies still going, two properties on Airbnb, living in the third bus, 60% remodeled and 20 acres of raw land we're trying to turn into a farm. So, and, uh, and then just kind of starting back potentially my podcasting, writing, speaking kind of stuff about small business, family, veteran issues as well. So time management is a, is a challenge um, these days, but also plenty of things to jump into when you get bored. Yeah, I, I think we both discussed this, like, um, and I just talked with Zach about this too, like a couple hours ago, but we discussed uh, 
our willingness to just fill any kind of space we have, even if we don't have it, with new stuff. Why do you think? Why do you think we all keep doing that? I think that all of us that served a good chunk of our time in the capacities that we did just kind of got used to there just being stuff to do. I think the nature of where we we served was like everybody was in charge of us always just said yes and then it rolled down to us and so that we're just kind of conditioned to just take upon ourselves all these things and i think a lot of us fear like like don't know what to do like we had that conversation yesterday like what do you do when it's there's nothing going on like just you're by yourself with your own thoughts and your there's not really anything to work on. It's kind of a weird feeling. And, and even just it's beneficial to take that time and pause and think, but we just kind of, as a society, but then I think those of us with our particular background never really learned kind of that practice of solitude and sitting kind of still and processing things intentionally. Right. And, once, um, you, once you learn to juggle too, like you can, you can be, be very like singularly focused in something, and um, but once you get used to juggling multiple things, you put in an hour or two here, an hour or two there, and now you have kind of like half a dozen things that you do in the shuffle, and you just keep convincing yourself that this is okay. I can manage this. Well, we also talked before about just that kind of flexibility that you get from the plan always changing because so many things are outside your control and how the vast majority of the population doesn't live life that way. They kind of plan things out and generally stuff is within a certain margin going to be how, how it happens every day. But we're just, Oh yeah, meet you on the corner. You know, I'll send you a pin, like jump in the car. We'll roll over here and just even just kind of, coming face to face with people that don't work that way and are just blown off by the fact that you change the restaurant on them or you're going to go somewhere different. So I think it's fun to kind of always be moving fast. Yeah. But I think that the re definitely coming against that reality that um, I would benefit from a lot more organization. And I hired a guy actually that is he's not full-time he's he's a consultant and he's on retainer but his or he's like a an organizational risk management personality type so he just has been creating databases and customer journeys and like to-do lists and prioritization stuff and like even just has kind of been able to come in and observe all my different businesses and kind of that's his a big part of his function is helping me automate and helping me organize because kind of realizing that's that's a weakness and something that I got to hire against. Yeah. I don't know if we want to stop the uh, <clears throat> let the train come through. <laughs> is that train going to be doing that for a while? It shouldn't be that long. It'll just it's definitely through. make the whole office shake for a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a pass through train. This uh, this cookout water tastes like char grill yeah it's like it smells like a the water smells like hamburger yeah it's disgusting i don't know how 
um, whether like the ice maker is like right next to like their grease trap or something and just kind of if i worked at cookout burger i would have to burn my clothes every shift yeah but if i worked at cookout burger i couldn't afford new clothes every shift yeah given the whole spinning plates thing going out and finding a farm seems like a step in the not the opposite direction but what was your reason behind you know trying to go out and get a farm well I, you don't come from a farming family no i do not you, at all you um, just, I mean, you talked about like getting some chickens and teaching your kids how to uh you know raise chickens or whatever other kind of like small time livestock or what like what else do you want to do with this thing other than maybe it's like your fortress of solitude yeah i think that um i grew up on 10 acres right i guess i didn't grow up on 10 acres i was 13 when we moved out to 10 acres ahead of creek and there's kind of been this little countdown timer in my mind against my oldest son arriving at age 13 so it's kind of like i felt like i was a little bit old to really get the land experience um and and was kind of moving on with life so the primary motivation is to just kind of have some land that our kids can run on. And, and a lot of people in conversation have expressed that there was this field next to their school, or there was just like kind of people think fondly back on this like terrain that was kind of their ability to, to go Tom Sawyer free range. So kind of just wanting to give our, our homeschool focus is very, outdoor oriented and it and and formed around play so kind of creating that space where they're safe in a lot of ways but there's also this un um or this out on your own way of living and and they're loving it right now i mean we we don't have anything out there right now but we bought a couple machetes a couple saws and they just like go down to the creek and just start playing and they're making restaurants and bridges and just going crazy and and they're they you know when you go and you holler upstairs to their your kids and say hey we're gonna go wherever and they like immediately let you know whether or not they're on board with the plan or not like they're all ecstatic to just start hearing a stampede of kids grabbing boots and you know gloves or whatever water bottles and they're just in the car ready to roll to the land so kind of feel like that's a good sign that we're moving in the right direction for stuff that they're excited about but then also as life gets busier kind of looking for ways to create or or work alongside my kids you know even though we have the remodeling business and i can take them to the job and there's a lot of, like the younger kids it's hard to take to the job because they'll start fighting or they'll start ripping stuff off the wall or whatever and it's i i can't you know i'm still in someone else's home i'm working for a client so they're not they don't have that awareness about them to act appropriately but kind of feeling like if we're, we have this farm and there's there's tasks that are lined up for them to do and it's kind of all within out of our household that there'll be opportunities to kind of work with them, develop work ethic 
and and just give them a little bit earlier on in life chance to kind of make something their own. And and we talked about this yesterday briefly, but just kind of as I progress professionally, focusing more on what am I giving my kids more so than just growing my personal empire, kind of having a more generational plan and saying the purpose of this or what we're doing is to enable them and give them these kind of experiences and, and frameworks to kind of grow into who they are and, and not be kind of forced down one particular path, but just kind of view the world as theirs for the taking and, and having kind of specific entrepreneurial and work ethic type things that support them going and doing that. Tell us a story about the, the water sales. Yeah. So (laughs) the refreshment uh, pop up. Yeah. So there's a sidewalk sale that kind of happens annually. And when I rented this office, I kind of was even thinking about how this, this will maybe be a place where we have a little bit more presence. Yeah. Cause you didn't even have an office last time. No, we talked now you got like a legit, you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of, you know, rented the office whenever we moved out of the mansion and moved into our smaller rental property. It has like a little office off the master bedroom, but the way that it was positioned, there's just, it was two sides of it. The kids are playing in the yard and I just, it's never quiet and noise canceling headphone technology hasn't advanced far (laughs) enough to drown out the level of play. You can send your kids to work for Bose or something. Yeah, for sure. So I, I kind of was like, Hey, I, I got a couple companies that are doing well. Like, I think it's, I'm grown up enough to like rent a place and I rented a place two blocks away. So like I can walk to work and I can walk home and the kids will pop in sometimes. Like they're old enough to be able to go downtown to the bookstore or whatever. But basically, you know, there's Saturday sidewalk sales coming up and I just pitched them on the idea to say, Hey, would you guys, I'll give you guys some startup capital and uh, let's go to uh, the store and buy some ice and some water. And I want you guys to think through how much water you guys think you can sell at the sidewalk sale that's coming up and kind of think about inventory and and all that. And they were pretty excited um, because they actually kind of continually say, hey, dad, what can we do to make money? You know, and it's I also kind of feel like it's not my idea to always give them all the ideas, but this seemed like a a thing that I could kind of let them take over. Yeah. So went to went to Walmart, picked up I think 120 something cases uh, or 120 something bottles of water, and they initially didn't want to get that many. And I kind of was like, ah, I think you guys could probably sell them. It's gonna be a lot. Of, it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be a lot of thirsty people. So they end up spending uh, $24 and 10 cents. And I said, Hey, you're gonna keep the receipt because you're gonna that's that's your startup capital, but you're gonna have to pay your investors back first, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and so they had that, you know, $24 and 10 cents or whatever, and, and, uh, set up on the street and, um, you know, it's sidewalk sale kicks off at 10. So we're pretty much, you know, they hung their, hung their, uh, their, their sign out. They had went home and drew like several little placards on the, on paper and, uh, started, uh, trying to sell. And I, went up to my office upstairs and right kind of they're right out front and and 
was working for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and then decided to go back down and check on them. And they were all kind of pouting and upset. And like, you could just see their faces. They're just like, it's starting to get hot. And I think they'd sold like three or four water bottles. So they were like, dad, we've only made $4 or whatever. And we're not even made any money back. And we're not going to be able to pay you back. And I just basically was like, hey, I think your attitude is probably coming across on your sales. And that maybe there's people like not even wanting to talk to you because you're just pouty little kids. How about you guys start giving away kindness for free and in greeting people as they go by? And then just don't let there was also kind of you could see they're a little shy to like say much to people. They just kind of held their sign up and expected the money to just fall in their lap a lot like adults I know um, <laughs> and uh, so I just said hey you're gonna have to work you're gonna have to probably give something away for free like just to, hey can you everybody that comes by and has an interaction with you are they gonna be leave a better person or happier because they had this interaction with you and then you know after you've done been genuine and kind of been kind to them then see if you could you know throw a sale in on you know sales pitch in there so I just, I just, I think there was maybe one or two more interactions where they were kind of, and I just said, nope, I don't want to hear it. Like go out there and make it happen. You know what you got to be, you know, and went back up to my office and then, um, one of my sons, Jude came up and was just had this biggest smile on his face. And he's like, we're going to be in the paper. You know, they took <laughs> a picture of us and uh and we sold 60 water bottles or something you know and and so like at some point uh that that the the balance had tipped and then you know so i i waited a little bit and then went back downstairs and they're just literally like selling handbags in new york city like level of like heckling people like i actually had to give them a talk about maybe backing off a little bit because they're just pursuing every person hey, down you look street. like a thirsty guy yeah exactly. all right kid yeah no <laughs> like literally some of the older people that are like clearly not going to get any water and jude's like following him the whole block you know like hey you know i i, I, I did you hear me i'm selling water you know yeah, and we selling like, rolex watches yeah like uh, hey dude street, you so. gotta you gotta realize that that there's some people that aren't gonna buy right away and then you can lay off on on that a little bit and anyway so it's pretty cool and they they came upstairs and had a big old pile of money and and divided it up between all three of them and paid me back is a pretty funny too because they came back like you know two or three hours into it and gave me gave me my money back you know here you go and and everything and you know they're like they we're that, good they get that dough off the books. we're 100 percent ownership from here on out is ours you know we we paid you off and uh so I think next time we're going to have to do probably some interest, um, and then maybe they're going to pay me to drive them to Walmart next time. Uh, trying to see about up in the the realness of this without taking their profits too yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a good one to where they they realize that they did a deal and have them have to pay for one full tank of gas, and they'll oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, I don't know, like even. You know, you say, hey, let's do the, maybe even have them do the math about gas mileage and what what rates are and then maybe a percentage of my insurance. And So your kids do a bunch of stuff in homeschool that, like, I never even, you know, I, public school system for me was focused on, 
algebra to geometry to trig to maybe pre-calc if you were lucky, but never really saw any kind of like worldly application of a lot of academics, you know, and it sounds like and looks like when you follow you guys on social media that your homeschool experience is really focused on like getting them accustomed to the world that awaits them. Yeah, and I think the reality of our society is that you that if we're industrial, we need workers. There need to be people that that make this thing, this world go round. There's just so many tasks. So you can't the the nature of education is that you can't necessarily gear it to creating a hundred or you know ninety eight percent entrepreneurs. Like it's just that's not the way that the world works. Can you imagine how haphazard society would be if, every, yeah. if yeah. everybody was, yeah. If everybody who was applying to jobs was instead trying to be an entrepreneur and the proportion of people, entrepreneurs looking for jobs. Yeah, well, it's almost, I guess, would be like what Instagram looks like, but isn't really in real life, you know, yeah, like just yeah. the so many people posting the the hashtag entrepreneur and right and or, posting their grind picks. Yeah, when they when they aren't really creating any of the products, I think that a lot of people call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're just salespeople or whatever. Um, yeah. But I I that doesn't mean that my kids won't ever work for somebody or they won't ever you know decide, hey, I don't want this. But I guess I kind of feel like if you know how to work well and you understand kind of what goes into a business and the different aspects of it, that you'll be able to be a, a even an entrepreneur or somebody that brings value to your employer and understands yeah. what's at stake. I mean, if they can, if they can, if they do work for somebody, but they go at their job with an owner operator mindset, like those are the, best kinds of employees that anybody could ask for, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we have those discussions to say, you know, and I, I think that they're still a little ticked at me about it, but I'll say, you know, go do this thing or whatever. And I, I don't necessarily lay out the lesson that way, but I'll say, Hey, take the, you know, take the trash to the street or whatever, and then go out there and trash cans to the street. But then like the recycle bins still, there and like tipped over, you know, and say, Hey, you know, what the heck? And they're like, well, we took the trash to the street. And I was like, did I, am I training you to do the minimum and to just only do like, did you think about, did you look around and see, Hey, there's something else that needs to be done too. And I'm here. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to change it. And that's something that I think you struggle with as a human forever right. to like, phone it in, do the minimum, get by, or... They're like a bunch of army specialists. Yep. They're like, well, technically I did what you said. Why are you mad? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, and I guess we, I've kind of, we've had these discussions to say, like, I'm looking for you to be more mature as a function of time. Like, as you grow up, I'm not going to, like, I, I would accept that answer from you when you were eight, but you're 12 now. You yeah. know, like that's your little brother can do that. But in, in I think that kids are looking kind of around and saying, well, that's standards different for the eight year old. You know, it's like, yeah, it is. Right. And you're setting the example for as as a 12 year old or and 
even just trying to say to them like, hey, like, it's not, that's not how it works. You know, I, I expect mean, more of you. I talk to adults about the difference between a specified and implied task. Or you could pick up the implied tasks. Like it's, it's less that we have to interact, it saves us time and we're both able to be, you know, more productive and efficient. Yeah. And I think the verdict's out whether or not they don't want to come back at Christmas time because dad was a jerk, you know, and they just, but even at that point, it's like, okay, well, you're out there. You know, there's, there was times where, where things are, were difficult with my father, but you know, my brother and I talk all the time about how we will take having some relational strain any day with the reality that we know how to work and we know how to build companies and, and be successful in life. Um, and I think that, you know, there's that conversation that happens about like, are you trying to be your kid's friend or are you trying to, you know, be their parent? And there's this kind of desire for parents, I think, to have their kids like them instead of have their kids be grateful in the long run for what they did for them. And that's doesn't, I hope, hopefully it's not mutually exclusive. And I guess that's also why there's a, there's me and my wife and, and that kind of dynamic where, Maybe she's a little nicer and, and brings them back in uh, and they'll come back at Christmas to hang out with her uh, and I'll get some of that too, you know? Um, anyway, that's, that's, uh, those are the, the things that we're walking out and I guess as business grows, as I optimize, as I hire people to do different tasks and help me get organized and automate, that's where I'm kind of trying to focus is how can I create this experience for my kids that that make them see how big the world is and then just also how accessible it is to them like i kind of have this vision in the next year of seeing my kids read certain books and being like let's go meet the author you know let's get on twitter or instagram and just spam them until they like respond and then we'll drive you know carve out a week where we go in the bus and go meet some big authors and just let them say, Hey, look, these are the people. This is how they're, how they're going after it. This is how they're living life to the fullest and let them just start to take that in and even document it as we're going with social media or whatever. It's like, Hey, cause it's really is, um, amazing how, you know, open people are to helping, younger kids out or even just there's an interest in what they're doing so that's kind of i think what i want to do is say hey we got more time now we got a little bit more freedom with the calendar let's let's let them drive if you will and let's go find these people and let's have conversations and and broaden their perspective yeah the cold email can work the cold whatever you know twitter or something like that um if you're really earnest about it and put some effort into it and seem sincere like the kind of stuff works yeah and in a small way even just like local shop owners and things like that like it's just there's a a kid comes at things with like this innocence and kind of abandon that you lose when you're kind of older and more jaded so kind of encouraging them in in the handwritten notes and things like our kids are writing letters all the time to friends and stuff and just say, Hey, let's find the address of, 
of this, you know, office or whatever, and and it'll make its way just because we talked about that last night in the entrepreneurial forum that we did, you know, this, the power of a handwritten note in the transaction that that's just something uniquely human about that, that, that sets you apart, you know? Yeah. I mean, we have to fight against the, like, letting your phone call turn into a text message or letting your handshake turn into a wave or, you know, post COVID everyone's weird about touching each other, but yeah. Um, the people who are able to maintain a personal touch, I think are going to keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we talk, I talk about even just with all the social media stuff that I'm trying to do and the way that we're living our life, the ultimate goal is not, that I get more people consuming my quote unquote content, but I'm hoping to give people inspiration and tools and maybe some frameworks to like go out in real life and maybe try to do the farm themselves, you know, there. And the reality is I'm consuming a lot of stuff about farming and a lot about just trade based things that there's this kind of stigma that, you know, you, to farm, you're going to be broke or to be in the trades, you're going to be blue collars broke. But I'm telling you, man, like there's so much money in just the amount of lack of quality food or what, like if you start to kind of test the, the stuff that you get at the supermarket versus the, the, the organic locally grown and operated kind of stuff, people, there's a trend towards quality and being willing to pay more for it. And that's kind of how I've built my construction business is I'm not trying to do volume. I'm not trying to grow and scale this in the the size and and volume necessarily, but more scaling our quality and the, the premium aspect of our business. So I see a lot of parallels in kind of how we run our construction in some of the farming literature that I'm reading about regenerative stuff that is is you know smaller scale more management but higher quality and and kind of dabbling in that too so we kind of have this goal to see kind of how self-sufficient we can get not necessarily because of from a financial perspective but just as like kind of an experiment hey let's let's see how what what percentage of our food we can grow and then is there stuff left over kind of to sell and then even maybe throw some some cool barbecues with you know our our chickens that we we raised and and getting that personal interaction with local people here small town hospitality all those things we're kind of just doing a little bit of an experiment there out of you know maybe venture money from real estate and construction (laughs) one thing that you also said yesterday and uh we you talked to micah about this too but like at a certain point when you get one business going well enough you can start to self-fund other ventures i think you rather than just taking your core business and trying to just scale out that one thing you've you've started to go into a few different avenues but you've been able to fund it yourself maybe without going and drumming up somebody else's investment or taking out a a ton of debt is that you put your you put your earnings to work but are are still maintaining your creativity and trying to find new things 
Yeah, and I think that even Mike talking about kind of are you, you know, control motivated or profit motivated or the different things. And it is kind of that realization that that the business that you're doing isn't necessarily super cool, but with respect to as you get better at it, the the amount of money you're making for the time that you're investing is still a pretty good ratio and that there's not really a way to replicate that easily by trying to shift into something else. And then I think being in the military and being institutionalized to kind of, I gotta be at formation, you're gonna be here till 1630, no matter what's going on, there's kind of this feeling that you need to be doing busy work or something from six to six, you know, every day. And that's still even almost five years out of the military. There's kind of this frantic, like, I need to be doing something, you know, I, what, and it's like, well, I, I got 16 people working all over town, all getting a margin on all their labor. I responded to five clients already. I did these three posts on Instagram. So there's, you know, stuff's out there churning. We got a reservation checking in at the, this weekend. And it's just kind of weird where we are right now. Like, wow, like the money's coming in. There's stuff to do, but it isn't quite as frantic. And then kind of able to say now in a more proactive way, all right, what are we going to try to do? And, you know, some of this stuff isn't paying off. You know, podcasting, I imagine that you're not, a, not about to quit your day job is how many hours you've invested in podcasting. But you, you well, we have, give it to charity anyway. But yeah. If, but if we didn't, no, I would definitely still need a day job. Yeah. So, but <laughs> but having just that reality, to say, I got a day job. I have something that's making the make making ends meet. I'm investing it. I'm growing it still, and I still got some time left over. Okay, I can actually help people, and I can encourage people. And there doesn't necessarily need to be money coming in from this activity. You know, like, cause that's, I think kind of where I was is like every, I need to do a cost analysis, like, okay, how much is this time? You know, I wrote, wrote an article that took me almost a week just because I suck at writing and, but that kind of going through that creative process and having it's like, it's different pain writing an article than it is, you know, doing a 50 mile ruck and, and then, but it's still pain and it's still like, challenging so kind of retuning the way that you measure what you're doing and difficulty and saying i'm gonna kind of go at some stuff that's difficult in different ways but and beneficial in ways besides just money i've talked about hating reading on here before but yeah i would rather go on a 50 mile ruck than read a book (laughs) yeah i I know one's gonna help me and one won't exactly yeah i did this just finished that this 75 day Oh yeah. Talk about this. uh, I totally cut you off, but I want to talk about that too. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the, the physical aspects is called 75 hard. It's one of my favorite podcasters out there that some people hate and a lot of people love um, Andy Frisella. And he's, it's for somebody that's done like the hardest things the military has, it's, it is easy to look at it and be like, oh, I'm super tough. I can, I'll crush this thing. But the reality of the program is a 75 days straight of two 45 minute workouts and drink a gallon of water, 
read 10 pages of a nonfiction book, like a hard copy of a book. And uh, you had to take a progress photo, which is kind of the corniest part for me. And then um, follow a diet with no cheat meals and no alcohol for 75 days straight. And the thing about the program, so part of me just like as a business guy and guy that used to do like everything that we used to do was physical and, and you're, you just kind of feel kind of like a slob for if you've just been on the computer. And even though there's, there's still a physical component, even though I have a lot of guys working, like I'll still get in the truck and go help unload a couple things or I'll be moving around the job site, but just kind of really like, I need a kick in the pants to like not feel like a slob and to kind of get things charged back up. So this is what I, my wife and I actually did it together, which helps because I think when I did it before, she's kind of like, you're working out an hour and a half a day, like you should be here helping or, you know, there's like, it's inconvenient, but when you've both committed to do it, and uh how do you find an hour and a half a day well that's the thing is i I need to yeah when that kind of became is that critical tasks for the day like it was kind of like initially was like okay these are the things i have to do so if you mess miss one step at any point in the 75 days you have to start over so it's kind of like the whole thing is like no fail no compromise. You're going to do these tasks every single day and you're going to stick to it. And even though each task individually is not when you kind of put them all together and you can't miss any of them, it's like, that's the challenge of it. But I feel like that in business and in like kind of running your own show, the ability to define some tasks and execute every single day is the thing. And I've talked about it before, but so yeah, it was physically really difficult, but then that 10 pages of reading is like, is awesome. Like it's not that much, but it, but you just, at a minimum, you're going to read 750 pages in that month and a half, you know, or two and a half months or whatever. And it takes me like five years to do that. Yeah. For me, that was the hard part because I usually had that in the evening. So it's like you're passing out like you wanted to go to sleep so i had to sit in a chair or else you know on the edge of the chair <laughs> stand on a balance beam yeah and, read and this uh, i actually did do like read good chunks in the squat because it like like you know like a squat. wall squat yeah well not well not a wall squat just like you know how like you know, yoga. school squat yeah <laughs> well like you know they, they actually have like a, it's like a, i don't know what yoga pose it the is Russian or whatever. Squat. yeah, yeah like yeah. and with it, a cigarette and yeah exactly <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, even just moving around. So I'd read, I could read like two or three pages, start to doze off in the chair. So then I'd get in the squat position, read like two or three more pages, then take the shower because you're like taking a shower every night before bed anyway. And then like finish up barely and like pass out, you know, but no way would I be like laying down in bed because I probably would have started the program over like right then and there, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was just, and I also, I think I mentioned to you before, but of the 45-minute the outdoor workout I did in solitude, and that is like definition of solitudes from the book Digital Minimalism. I think Erwin um, and I uh, can't remember, it's like this Supreme Court judge and army officer or whatever wrote this book too on solitude, but I think that that's the, actually their definition. 
that you're not your mind's not being influenced by another mind. So uh, that's kind of their their definition. So the 45 minute workout has to be outside. I would leave my phone, which is so weird to do. Um, so so I, you were reaching for it, right? Yeah, yeah. So you kind of like as you're walking through, and I I try to go to obviously if you're not wanting to get in influenced by other minds, you're not like walking in the on the street with a bunch of people you're kind of like seeking these trails and stuff that have less people and so you're out in the woods and just i felt like my mind was on fire just have actually being not distracted and just kind of that physical exertion too and then just like trees and anyway i just have to start carrying a notebook because you just come up with these ideas and there's not really a way to you know, but then your phone too, like, you're like, Oh, I got to call this. Oh, I can't call him. I don't have my phone. Oh, I got it. I wonder how, Oh shoot. And this like how many times like during the beginning of the walk that you go for the phone, cause we all just go for it and pick it up even like subconsciously Yeah. and just kind of that having 75 days of not having my phone on me for 45 minutes was like a pretty cool practice to do. And something that I'm trying to kind of continue. It's like, hey, the phone goes somewhere else physically away. And there's not, if it's with my kids or, you know, I haven't done, been, it's been about a week since I completed that 75 days. So I haven't, um, I've done a couple outdoor workouts where I didn't take my phone, but I, I like, haven't been able to do it every day. But I think that's one of the practices I'm going to try to make a regular thing um, going forward, just time to think time to process and and go back kind of refreshed i've tried to like not take my phone into the bedroom or like after dinner plug my phone in but in the office yep leave yeah. there till the morning yeah uh, not 100 percent successful but you know just trying yeah that's my practice as well i have it plugged in outside um the room but then at the same time there's times where we have multiple guests in different the different airbnbs so it's like shoot like i gotta keep but even then trying to say i'm not gonna i'm put them on the favorites so that they can you know get through the do not disturb and then but then just don't pick it up Hey, everybody. Quick break in today's action to tell some of our new or some of our returning listeners about how to support the show. Uh, you can find everything about us at thankyounowwhat.com. That is our website. We have an entire backlog of episodes and descriptions. We have links to our social media. We have links to buy t-shirts if you're into that. You can always use a feedback form on our website or email us directly at thankyounowwhat at gmail.com uh, for any show feedback. If you really like what we're doing on the show and you want to contribute, uh, you'll see some links on the website for PayPal or Patreon. PayPal is a one-off contribution, although I think you can set recurring, but Patreon is a subscription that starts at just a dollar an episode. If you head over to patreon.com slash thankyounowwhat, uh, you'll be able to see our pricing tiers Again, starting just a dollar and offering a couple perks per tier. If you want something else out of the Patreon, please let us know. We're very democratic about that. Please know that when you share with us in the cost of doing business, whatever doesn't go straight to production uh, gets redirected to nonprofits that support or honor veterans. Last year, we were able to give more than half away, and uh, we have a goal of giving more away this year. 
Uh, you can get a good idea of what organizations we give to by visiting the nonprofits page on the website. Uh, each one is either run by people or named for people that we know or have had on the show. Um, so very near and dear to our heart and your money goes to a good cause. Uh, very sincere thank you to everyone who not only supports us in those tangible ways, but anyone who's out there sharing, uh, listening to even just one episode. If you repost us on your social media, uh, we enjoy that exposure as well. So thank you. Uh, please keep doing it. And we appreciate it. If you are enjoying the show, make sure you're subscribed to the feed on your favorite podcast player. Uh, so you get our new episodes when they come out every other Tuesday morning. Uh, if you have some time, give us a rating by clicking how many stars hopefully it's five or whatever the max is and uh if you really feel like telling everyone how great we are you can write a review we always absolutely love and appreciate those finally the simplest thing that you can do uh, to help out the show and our cause is to tell somebody and spread the word of mouth marketing as we know most effective ever thanks and let's get back to the episode one other thing i've noticed is that uh I don't know how to classify this or whatever, but you've been going to like Christian retreats and like talking to audiences about, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Your, uh, <laughs> your, your relationship with faith and how to live a good life and all this kind of stuff. I'll let you summarize. Cause I'm obviously doing a subpar job. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that what I have observed and I'm kind of, the same thing when we're you're in the military and you're in special operations. We talked about this on the first podcast. Like immediately, people stereotype you, maybe appropriately because of interactions they've had with people of faith, and like, oh, you're going to be scared and you're not going to be able to like kill anybody because it says thou shalt not kill in the Bible, and kind of in some ways, there's kind of like if you're a Christian, you're like weak and you are kind of a hypocrite and suck at stuff. You're just like, if somebody brings a, brings their business card to you and it has the fish on it, you're like, oh, heck no, I'm not hiring that dude. He's probably sucks, you know, or, or I'm going to... the Jesus fish? Yeah, yeah. Like, at least... So, you, so you're trying to, like, work against or dispel any kind of, like, uh, timid perception or, like, buying yeah, into Yeah, well, I guess or? the one of the things that what I talked about i've done a couple talks and then we did like a couple training events where i just brought like people in and just said um so it's warriors tending gardens is kind of the the name of of the movement whatever it'll end up being or how it'll be shaped but kind of the goal is to encourage people that like there's just like this kind of oh i gotta go and get a bunch of guns go to the state capitol and like out of my cold dead hands and you're not gonna you know it's just kind of this misplaced frustration with way things are going or you know whatever and just say okay i'm just kind of trying to work against that and say hey the way that you you change things is you build things that are influential you build companies you raise your kids correctly you are a good person you actually aren't a hypocrite you work hard you have kind of you live your life by a by a standard that is you know anybody that served with the military with me in the military knows i screwed up and made mistakes and stuff it's not necessarily that you're perfect but that like you're not gonna hide out that when you make a mistake so it's kind of living out of that whole belief and encouraging people like hey 
you need to be serious about your faith. That faith needs to actually manifest itself in you producing things of quality. Because, I mean, you know, it's like you can't make it in real music, so you go, like, you rebrand as a Christian artist or, you know, like... <laughs> Your your music is or your movies are bad. Like you go produce Christian movies, you know, and Christians like eat it up because you know there's like this loyalty thing. And I you even know, think like Trump did kind of like a rebrand. He's like, oh, this is this is a oppor- like not you know not necessarily knowing what his heart is or whatever, but it's like, hey, the, I can get the Christian evangelical vote yeah. by like doing a cup checking a couple boxes, you know. So just kind of taken experience from the military where where guys would you know we talked about it before on the podcast you don't really get to keep your faith and be like kind of half in because you're gonna you know you have to walk it out it's not necessarily easy to walk it out that way but just encouraging people say if you're real about this then you're also going to be when you look at your life you're going to be building stuff you're going to be growing and uh I was interesting. I kind of wanted, we would even ask like what your perception of it is. Cause I know there's kind of a mixed group of people that follow me from yeah. the different spheres that I touch. I guess some of that is even bringing that together. Like there's kind of this polarity of society, like you're extreme one or the other, and there's not nuance. There's not ability to sit down and have conversation with each other and just kind of saying, Hey, I'm kind of had my, feet in different spheres of life and kind of met people and have great relationships with people that don't think like I do, but we can sit down and record a couple podcasts together. We can hang out together. We can, and we can actually benefit from the exposure we have in the conversations we have with each other, but even kind of more so realizing that my people are Christians, you know, and, and so yeah. I'm, I'm going to go after them, you know, and I'm going to speak to them because that's my background um, instead of saying, oh, I want to try to be this vanilla brand that just is appealing to the whole spectrum. I'm going to speak to people and, and challenge people kind of from my my way of life and encourage them to go after it a little bit more, you know, anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm from Massachusetts uh, a lot of us grew up Catholic and then later in life don't really don't really <laughs> care to be religious at all. Because you had so. to do Latin mass with dead people all around you, I think, right? Yeah, it's an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I have been to mass in Latin. Um, yeah, but I mean, I like I'm pretty uh, not pretty, but I am atheist, you know, by definition and I view some like the Bible as kind of like a how you would look at fables and that's not to take a shot at or minimize it. It's good stories that offer guidelines on how to live a good life. And so I don't dispel the the, the contents in it, but I don't follow it uh, you know, religiously. Yeah. Right. But we were having dinner yesterday and you like brought up a Bible excerpt and I said, wow, that totally fits the conversation right now. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's, you know, you're not all, uh, for me, you're not like all in or all out. I think that it's a, it's a one way to teach people about, you know, how to live and how the world works. And, uh, you know, definitely based in human nature, good for some humans. Yeah. Um, but we obviously have 
had very different takes on religion for the whole time we've known each other. Yeah. But when you talk to like other, and I know that, you know, other people have to look up to you for what you've done, because I know that, you know, most Christians are like really military supportive. Mm. Um, a lot of them are very patriotic, uh, but also the fact that, you know, you have a big family that you're raising. You know, that's also very important to that community. Um, the fact that you're building businesses and you've been successful that way. What are your like, I guess, if someone spends time with you, what are the, the key messages that you're delivering? I guess kind of the the tagline right now is is build, protect, repeat is kind of what we've been saying. So focusing on the, a lot of people want to like in these looking at ammo sales and weapon sales and people are just like trying to get ready for the zombie apocalypse. Like oh, none doomsday other. preppers. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, you got to watch out for that kind of. Yeah. But that's in it. I think that there is a, a group of people in that, that, area that are drawn and it's and i even like will have guys follow me on instagram and then like message me and i'll go and look and be like wow like you went to like a capital not dc or whatever but they post a bunch of pictures of them with guns and you know it's like okay you know um this is a little bit different than i'm approaching it but even to say okay this i'm trying to kind of encourage them to say that there's maybe there's there's an appropriate way to kind of protect your family and, and have like a home defense kind of protection plan. But most of you are like consumed by that instead of building things that you should, that will need to be protected. Like in a sense, like they're not coming after you and, and trying to brainwash you. Like you're not even, you're not, you haven't built anything that's threatening anybody's thing. So why are you, you know, pinging about this? So Right. That's kind of been my thing is to say, hey, build, build things. You know, my wife and I, I think we, I don't know if we talked about this, but we have this kind of thing like longer tables, not higher fences, you know? And so that's kind of my, been my thing is like, instead, like it's, it's much more effective to bring somebody into your home and feed them a meal than to like scream at each other on a street corner with your opposing banners, you know? So that's kind of been my thing is like, let's, let's change the way that we relate to each other and, and do it via hospitality, via hospitality, via building businesses, via growing our families, having our families get together and, and kind of some of these things that maybe social media has made more difficult and and so that's you know i would say the main thing is like we we do have have at some of our events have have done time at the range and stuff and and i shot for a lot of my life my adult life in the military shot a lot but you and i were kind of both in that same thing like we got out we didn't shoot like at all and and so some of that has been like people are really interested in that aspect but i'm i'm more trying to say yeah, this is, we're going to get to that. We'll do some fun. We'll shoot and we can talk about, cause you know, we can talk about that in our sleep and use that and, as an avenue to like create the kind of influence you want. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's a good experience. I mean, like anything, there's a technical aspect to it. There's a skill aspect to it, but I, if one event that we did, you know, I, we worked out both mornings. One morning was a, like kind of just 
body weight PT running up to the top of the hill. And I was just like, I smoked them, you know, like I just let them have it. And I was just like, Hey guys, if you want to be serious about leading your families about growing businesses, like you got to be in shape, you got to like take care of your body that is connected to your mental health as well. And, and this is all connected. And I think that it's, you know, you kind of have these people that'll be like, I'll buy like a zillion guns and I, but I can't run a hundred meters, you know? I think that's and, pretty much the person who's always like in the picture on the news, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, that may be intentional too, you know? Yeah, like, yeah probably We're going to pick this guy out and we're going to give him the mic because he's going to do the, you know? Yeah. But just. But I also feel that way too, like whether you term it, your body is a gift from God or your body is a miracle of nature don't waste it yeah you have to treat it you know like it is a gift yeah and that's i think that's the you know where i'd say as as the scripture kind of thing is like there's an aspect of it that is is you know it viewing it as literature you know even the most harsh like atheist critics you know we've talked about like the pod one of your favorite podcasts like they they spend a lot of time analyzing some different passages of scripture because there's some depth and breadth to what what's going on in there and and i you know i believe that's because it's divinely inspired and that there's something there for us to to follow and that it should affect every part of life but i you know also think that that there maybe are a lot more atheists made because of of their view of god being shaped by christians and people that say they believe in god and then don't live the right way more so than really watching like all of scripture through something, you know, yeah. and kind of all of us are giving a, giving God a bad rap in some way in our life. And kind of, that's the kind of the eternal quest of a Christian is to not do that. But then knowing that Jesus is the only hope for that, you know, I can agree that it's probably the greatest book ever written. Yeah. You know, defining great as, jam-packed with messages on how to live a good life and definitely the most influential text right yeah in the western world but yeah still disagree on the other stuff (laughs) agree to disagree yeah exactly (laughs) okay well we have like i don't know five minutes left before i have to throw on real clothes and go back to do round two of our uh like small business seminar this weekend what oh we never got to touch on like the urban flight and people coming down here and you developing more property out in the boonies uh, yeah. because people want to escape the big city. I don't know if we can do that in time. Yeah, I guess um, one of the things that as I look at the way ahead for construction and having developed an expertise in old buildings, the reality is, is a lot of buildings that are still around that are old or falling apart, you know, you even walking into my office and commenting on how the, the floor is out of plumb, like it's crazy. Um, uh, yeah, as a, that's an understatement. Yeah. So um, realizing that I've kind of built an expertise and that there's a lot of, of buildings that are kind of falling apart or need repair that, that are complex in some ways and being able to maybe provide help, help people. So there's some commercial, Um, mixed-use projects that I'm working on with some different people and they've kind of expressed that corporate life is is running them ragged and kind of looking for 
spots outside of you know the biggest probably metropolitan area um, we got charlotte obviously but then raleigh being an hour or so away there's there's some places kind of between southern pines and raleigh that are uh, on the on the trend uptrend and working with with them and i he, they've actually remarked just kind of as maybe a lot of people on social media following that were weird but like not in like a weird way that you got to like run from us as soon as you meet us, but like kind of you're like, okay, let's look at what's going on here a little bit more. It's like a right more inquisitive and, and having conversations with these guys and saying, here's what I'm trying to do with my business, but I'm also trying to still carve out a lot of time to be with my kids and then just kind of being blown away by that way of living. So that's, we're looking at ways to, to create and I think there'll maybe some some stuff with the speaking that I'm doing is to kind of want to maybe take into the corporate world this belief that if you can take care of people and their families and and in a sense you'll get a more quality employee out of them and I think that that people know that and recognize that and maybe kind of be an ambassador in corporate culture to say there's ways to work more efficiently, maybe less, and then uh, facilitate family and and a, a well-grounded life outside of work as a means of, like, production. Like, even just from the, this, just, it's okay as a, as a C-suite in this company to literally do this for 100% performance reasons, and then as an employee of that company, like, taking it and being like, this is super cool. And then there being kind of this mutually agreed upon, mutually beneficial thing for society. Um, see how that goes, you know? Yeah. But that, that's kind of how I view is as I build these relationships with more corporate type people in Raleigh and we start doing these projects, I'm excited about doing the construction aspect, but I'm also excited to, to have conversations with them and maybe influence corporate culture with, you know, Mayberry style of doing business too, you know. <laughs> Before we get out of here, yesterday we spent some time uh, talking to some veterans and service members, and tonight we're doing the same thing with a panel that includes a couple of their of our former guests and some people who haven't been on the pan or the uh, the show yet, but all kind of local small business owners, entrepreneurs, bootstrappers like yourself. What was the I guess one of the more impactful things that you either spoke about, took place in a discussion or heard from one of the other panelists last night that uh, we'll probably touch on again tonight. Well, I think that noticing people pre-launch of their business or pre-launch of getting out of the military, kind of some of that maybe fear or trepidation about the uncertainty on the road ahead. And I think that there was several people and a lot of the questions kind of revolved around how do you make it more safe to do what you're about to do or how do you forecast better? How do you model it correctly? When do you know it's time to do it? Yeah. And yeah, there's two aspects. There's the there's the appetite for risk, but there's also making it make sense to you on paper before deciding to do it. Correct. We yes. even talk, got into talking about like break even calculations and stuff, you know, without getting super in the weeds, but just conceptually to people who are trying to 
work through their what their own uh, conception of a business plan was. Yeah, and I think there's that that tension between it makes sense dollars and cents wise, you know, on paper that modeling and I can actually, I, and, but then that reality that you have to kind of get over this hump personally that, and believe yourself. And there's, everybody kind of has different ways that they're going to make those calculations and between their gut, between, and even, you know, we talked about in my case being not necessarily planned and kind of pulling it out of your rear end in the last moment or because you had to. And I was encouraging one specific guy to not necessarily look at the calculations purely from a monetary perspective, but also from just what learning experience that you're going to get. And I think that in our society, we're very utilitarian. We're very pragmatic about things. We're What's your ROI? And then just realizing there's a lot of things in life that aren't necessarily about money or the return on investment and in, in, it's not as clean as as any of it ever is and you you know where you are now too just doing calculations and even just how you're able to go in and and provide an outside perspective and help people flip their mindset or the way that they're looking at the numbers and then that becomes the difference because i guess that's realizing kind of seeing people kind of at the beginning of that journey and kind of on the edge looking over if you will and then just kind of wanting to be like just jump just go for it and even mike and i talked on the car on the way back you know just like almost wanting to like give them a false sense of security so that they'll just do it and and just pushing them off the diamond yeah board. like yeah it'll be great you could because because he kind of was like you can do anything you want to do and i was kind of like ah you can, but you know, whatever. And then he like, kind of like, let me know, like, he's just kind of like, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt. But like, I want them to just do it because I know it's better that they do it and it'll be better for them. And we've, Mike and I have talked about it, just like not knowing how hard it's going to be and then doing it and then being like, well, I'm in it. I have to, it's like actually maybe okay. Like it was hard. So you know, maybe that maybe there'll be a little bit different flavor. Maybe I'll sound a little bit more like Gary Vaynerchuk over here, just like you know, <laughs> go for it. I was you know? gonna give you some yeah. some Gary V flack earlier about content generation, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's uh, he influenced stuff early on, and uh, maybe one day I'll have twenty seven people like him and be just spamming the crap out of people's feeds like crazy. You know, yeah, Gary V's on mute. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's he's full tilt for sure. All right, well, let's go get after it again. Heck yeah! Uh, I don't have any brilliant sign off, but uh, we'll just cut it now. I gotta I gotta make it maybe double the progress for between now and episode three of of on the podcast, or maybe I'll have you on next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of Thank You Now What, a podcast about life after service. Be on the lookout for Nate doing a whole host of things, whether it's driving his kids to a startup pop-up shop, farming some chickens, 
leading his Christian community or simply still killing it in the real estate game. If you want to follow Nate, uh, you can check out a couple of his Instagram handles. The first is transform underscore NC. Uh, you can see him doing a whole a lot of real estate work there uh, and home improvement. You can also catch him at the Spearing for his personal account. You can check out his personal website, spearing.co or uh, his uh, Christian community leadership website called warriorstendinggardens.com. We're going to link all of this in the RSS feed too, so check it out there. As always, thanks for listening to us. Please subscribe, rate, review, follow, and join us next time on Thank You Now What. Thank you now what?